you don't take your Bibles out and turn with me to the book of First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, you get into your New Testament if you know where your New Testament is, and you'll find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and then you'll find First and Second Corinthians, you'll find uh, uh, sorry, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and then you will get to First Thessalonians. All the T's are together if you're looking for, you find Timothy or Titus or any of those guys, you're in the vicinity, okay? First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, yep. Now, uh, I only have just a few thoughts I want to share. I wrote down some dates. That's really all the notes that I have this morning. And it's debatable as to exactly when Jesus was crucified. Some theologians believe that he was crucified between the year 30 A.D. and 33 A.D. Um, some believe he died as, as, as far back as 36 A.D. And the date is not, I don't know that it's really that critical, but for just for the sake of clarity, we're going to just assume this morning that it was between 30 and 33 A.D. I'm going to just say 32 just to pick a number. Because we don't know specifically, we, the, the dating is not um, that easy to pinpoint. You look at the uh, dates of the emperors and you kind of count backwards and calculate some of these dates. Now there are some dates that are pretty accurate. The life of the Apostle Paul and some of the things he did, we have pinpointed those fairly accurately. Uh, because Jesus, assuming he was crucified in 32 AD and, and rose from the dead and ascended to the Father, it was in 37 AD that the Apostle Paul is on the road to Damascus. So th- there's been about a five-year period of time that he has persecuted the church. So you can get a lot, of, a lot done in five years. Are you hearing me? You can do a lot of damage in five years, and Paul has done a lot of damage in five years' time. And in the year 37 AD, he was on the road to Damascus where he saw a great light and it was Jesus and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now Saul, we, some people think he changed his name to Paul when he became a Christian, but that, that's not really true. Saul is his Jewish name. Paul is his Roman name. He just started, he took his Roman name when he started reaching out to the Gentiles. Because he is an apostle to the Gentiles. That would be you and I, unless you're a Jew here this morning, from Jewish descent. And so, in 37 AD, he was on the road to Damascus. Then he went into uh, to, um, Arabia for three years, where he was ministered to by the Holy Spirit. And he makes note of that in some of his letters, that he didn't go to the apostles. He went be, just before the Lord. Because, see, when Jesus selected his disciples, I mean, he's picking some of the low-level what we would consider low level of societies. Not, I don't mean low level in a bad way. They weren't highly educated, accomplished men. They were farmers. They were tax collectors, which was not a good guy. There were zealots. I mean, these are people who not overthrow the government. He's picking fishermen. But none of them were Pharisees. When he selected the apostle Paul, it's like selecting a Harvard graduate because he was a highly, highly educated man. And so, uh, he, he took the scripture that he knew very well, and he went into Arabia, and he began to pour over the prophecies, because he was a Pharisee. Now, you have the sect of, well, I'm just teaching this morning, is that okay? Now, don't get, if you get sleepy, I'm going to make you get up and do calisthenics, all right? 
he was a Pharisee, you have the Sadducees, which only take the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They're called the Pentateuch. They're the books of Moses. And they were the books that the Sadducees studied from. They didn't accept the prophets. The Pharisees, on the other hand, they accepted the prophets. So Paul is taking all the teaching that he had and he's comparing all these prophecies to the life of Jesus and validating that without any question, this man was the one the prophets talked about. He was the Messiah. He was the Christ. The Christ meaning the anointed one with his anointing. And so he spent three years doing that from 41 to 44 A.D., he is in Caesarea and at Tarsus where he was born and where he's from. Uh, during the same period of time is when Peter goes into the house of Cornelius and the Gentiles receive the gospel through Peter. Barnabas and Paul stay in Antioch, Syria for one year during this period of time. Believers are first called Christians at Antioch between 41 and 44 A.D. It was also during this period of time that James, the brother of John, was killed by Herod Agrippa I. And ironically, the same year that Herod Agrippa had James put to death, Herod died. You don't mess with God's people, man. God gets upset about that. Amen? So in 44 AD, um, Paul and, and Barnabas go out on their first missionary journey. They take John Mark, which is Barnabas' nephew, with them. And he departs from them. It gets too rough on him, so he runs home to Mama. And in 50 AD, they come to the end of the first missionary journey. So it lasted for six years. So when you look at the scripture and it talks about he went from here to here to here to here, you think, well, because we, we read that and comprehend that with 21st century understanding. He didn't jump on a jet and get there, you know. I mean, it takes time to go from place to place to place. And so it was a six-year period of time. That same year in 50 AD, Paul and Barnabas go to the council at Jerusalem because as they're traveling, what they're finding out is that some of the Jews who believe that Jesus is Messiah are insisting that the Gentiles observe all of the Jewish laws that they observe. Holy days, ritual washings, going to all the different feasts, and there's a lot of different dietary laws and so forth. And so they take those questions back to Peter and James and John and the guys in Jerusalem, which is called the Jewish Council. And they determine that they don't have to do those things to be saved. Just faith in Jesus Christ is what saves you, not by works which we have done. And Paul writes that in his letters, for by grace are we saved through faith, not by works, lest any Jewish man or any other man should boast about their works. Because the Pharisees, they would boast, I tithe every day, I do this, I keep all the laws, and they would boast about their works, assuming that that gives them favor with God. And so none of those things save you. And so they answered that question at the council at Jerusalem. Then... We see in 51 AD in the spring, he starts on the second missionary journey. This time he takes Silas with him because Barnabas wanted to take John Mark and Paul said, no, he departed from us and we're not taking him. So there was a big debate. So listen, there's been squabbles in the church from the very beginning. Come on, you can disagree and still love each other. And so Barnabas took John Mark, and whatever he did is not recorded. He went on a missionary journey. Paul took Silas, and they started on the second missionary journey. Now, in 51 AD, they started on that journey. They went through Syria, 
Cilicia, which is southern uh, Turkey. Then they came to Derby and Lystra. That's where they met Timothy. And Timothy joined their group and stayed with them. Then they went throughout Pergia, Galatia. And then they wanted to go into Asia and Batania, but the Holy Spirit forbade them. And so Paul saw a vision in the night, a man in Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. So he turned to the east and he went towards Macedonia. That's why the gospel eventually wound up in Europe and wound up here in America. That's why we're a Christian nation was because of that one event. So they passed through Messiah to Troas. Then they went to uh, Semitracia, then to Nepalus in Macedonia, which is now northern Greece. And then he goes to Philippi. And you know the story in Philippi where they were beaten. Paul and Silas were thrown into the Philippian jail. And at midnight, they began to praise God. And God sent an earthquake and shook the jail doors open. And the jailer goes in, going to kill himself. And Paul says, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And he falls down on his knees, recognizing that there is a God that has delivered this man. This God that this man is talking about is more powerful than my Greek gods. All the gods that I worship, this is a powerful God. And he falls down and says, Paul, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And he takes him home and he dresses his wounds. And the next day, of course, he goes in and says, you beat me without a trial and I am a Roman citizen. But when the guy heard that, he's like, oh my goodness, you can't do that. This is a Roman citizen. He has to have a trial. He's in big trouble. So he kind of just scoots him out on the, on the down low. To just to get rid of them, you know. So then he goes from there to Amphipolis, to Apollonia, and then they came to Thessalonica, where we are this morning, all right? In Thessalonica, he's there for three weeks, and there's people there that stir up trouble against him. And so he leaves there. He has to leave. They go into Jason, which we believe is a relative of Paul, and they bring him out, and he, they take him before the governor, and they said, the men that have turned the world upside down have now come here. And Jason has taken them into his house. So they arrest him, they make him pay a fine, and they release Jason. But Paul goes to Berea. He teaches the Bereans, and unlike the people in Thessalonica, Thessalonica was one of the, sec one of the capitals of a section of the Roman Empire. So it was a very important city. But when they go to Berea, the Bereans, they listen to what he said and they search the scriptures to see if the things he said were true. Come on, we want to be like Bereans, right? Don't just take what I tell you as law. You get your Bible, you go home, and you put what I say to the test to see if it's true. Be a Berean, okay? Then Paul departs ahead of Silas. He goes to southwestern Achaia, then to Athens. And Athens is where he goes to Mars Hill, and he debates with all the philosophers and wise men of their day. In the winter of 52 A.D., he visits for the first time in Corinth. He stays there a year and a half. And while he's there, he's concerned about the believers at Thessalonica. So he sends Timothy back to Thessalonica to bring him a report of how they're doing. Now, this is the setting of the church of Thessalonica. They're hated, as all Christians are during this period of time, by pretty much everyone. The Romans hate them because they suggest that the God they serve is the one true God and he's mightier than all the gods that I serve because the Romans are polytheistic. They believed in many gods, including Caesar. They believed that Caesar was a deity. 
They built temples to worship Caesar. And so they hated them because you're, you're insulting me by saying your God is better than my God. So they hated him on a religious basis. They hated them because they felt like they were treasonous. They suggested that there was another king that they should serve other than Caesar, a man named Jesus Christ. So they hated him for that reason. Also, it was a very delicate balance in the political setting there because you had pro- procurators, you had uh, uh, you had governors, you had uh, tetriarchs, you had Roman officers, and you had tax collectors. And all of them was corrupt. They all wanted to get in your pocket and get your money, pretty much, because taxation was their big deal. Does that sound familiar to you? I'm getting spoof calls all the time. You just want a free cruise to somewhere, right? Give me your credit card number, your date of birth, your social security number, the name of your mother's maiden name, and blah, 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 and I'll send you a free ticket on a ship that doesn't exist going nowhere. Yeah. Corruption. Well, there's nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. So they were hated by the Romans. They were hated by the Jews because the Jewish people hated Christians because they thought they were heretics. They're suggesting that this man named Jesus is the Messiah. When we know he can't be the Messiah, the Messiah has to come from Bethlehem. And he's from Judea in Galilee. Besides that, he has to be a descendant of of David, and his father was a carpenter. We know who his father was. (laughs) They didn't know he was a descendant of David. And so anyway, they said he, he can't be the Messiah. So they hated him because they felt like they were heretics, and they were preaching against the laws of Moses, which they practiced. And also within their own ranks, the Jews who were Judaizers that insisted the Gentiles had to keep all of these laws hated the Christians that didn't observe the Jewish laws. So the Jews, the Christians were pretty much hated by everybody. Church, does that sound familiar to you today? More and more we're seeing that. We're not liked by a whole lot of people. Because of what we believe and what we stand for. We stand for righteousness. So during all this persecution, Paul is concerned about them, that they're, they're going to be discouraged because of all of this attack. And he sends Timothy to them, and Timothy comes back with a good report. And so Paul sets down at Corinth, and for the first time, the apostle Paul begins to write the very first letter that will for over 2,000 years be inspected and dissected and millions of sermons will be preached from it. He had no idea when he was writing that, that thousands of years later, we will still be reading what he wrote to them. Now, church, I was in the middle of preparing another sermon when I came across a passage of Scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 27. If you want to put that on the overhead, it's in the New King James Version, if you have that. I I think I gave you NIV, didn't I? I'll just read it to you from the New King James Version because I was going to preach this morning out of the New King James Bible, and I couldn't find it. And I remembered I gave my New King James Bible to somebody that didn't have a Bible. And so I couldn't find it, so I've got an NIV this morning, all right? But I did get it out of my computer, and it said this, because I was reading it on my phone from the NIV, from the uh, New King James Version. And he said, verse 27, I charge you, 
by the Lord. Now this scripture just, it, in my studies, I just came across this and it just, I said, I've never seen that. I charge you. In other words, I am giving you a specific instruction, not me, Paul, but the Lord told me to tell you that this epistle should be read to all the holy brethren. This is the last thing he said. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And I said, I, I understand the culture and why he said that because when you sent a letter back in those days, they didn't have a printing press. You couldn't hand everybody a copy of the scripture. So they would come together like we're doing right now and they would read the letter from Paul. Now imagine today that we are in Thessalonica. We're being persecuted on every side. Timothy has just come and he's got a report and he's taking it back to Paul. And Paul wrote a letter and I come in, the leader of the church, and I say, guys, I got a letter from the Apostle Paul. How excited would we be to be, you got a letter from Paul? We would, we would be on our edge of our seat like, what did he say? And that's why Paul said, I want this read. The only other place that he, had, he didn't actually instruct any other epistle to be read before the brethren but this one. Now in Colossians, he said, when the epistle is read, have it also read in, in Laodicea and read from Laodicea. But every, no other epistle has he instructed us to read. Now I have never just opened the Bible and just read. And if it puts you to sleep, I'll never do this again. If it bores you to tear, I promise I won't do it again. But I believe that God has instructed us by the Lord Jesus Christ to read this epistle to all the holy brethren. So I'm just going to open it up and read it. I'm going to stop a few places and expound on a few things I think that applies to us individually and some that applies to us corporately. And I'm going to try to move on and get you out of here in time for the chicken. Okay. Are you with me? Say amen. Take your Bible and turn to Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. To the church of Thessalonica, in God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We, meaning Paul, Silas, and Timothy, all right, we always thank God for you all, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually uh, remember before our God the Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, before I read any further, I just ask God that you give an anointing this morning to the, wor to the words that are spoken, God, to the hearers also. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I always like to pray before I start. Verse four, for we know, brethren, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Now, this, I think, applies to us. Because when I was reading this, I was like, he could have wrote this to Central Virginia Assembly of God. How many of you know you're chosen? God, you didn't just come here by chance. God has chosen you for a purpose, all right? I've chosen you. I'm gonna have to keep my finger on here. I'm gonna lose my place every time I look up. Because our gospel came to you not simply by words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. This is one reason I encourage people, don't get too caught up with TV evangelists and, and great names that are out there. Do you walk among them? Because there's a lot of them that's put out that they've done all this great and powerful stuff and the next thing you know, they're cheating on their wife and they're doing this and that. You can't examine their life. You can examine Pastor B's life. If you see me messing up, kick me in the head, all right? 
pray for me. And, and you get me straight, all right? But Paul said, I was with you. you. You examined my life. And I did it for your sake. Verse 6, you became imitators of us. Man, can, can you tell somebody you do exactly as I do? And you're going to be all right with God. Come on. He said, you became imitators of us. I lost my place again. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of the severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Who gives us joy? I did make a note on that. What did I, what did I write down for that? I, I didn't have room to write all my notes down here. Oh, 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 oh. Let me stop right there. Who gives us joy? This week, I had the privilege of witnessing to a guy. He comes up and he starts telling me about he's had a stomach infection. And he said he was throwing up mouthfuls of blood. And he said he didn't know what was wrong. He went to the doctor and they, he said, it's not cancer. He said, it's a stomach virus infection or something. And as he's saying, I'm like, because what did I tell you the other day? That God is going to begin to use some of you just to pray for people and God's going to begin to heal. Because the glory of God is in you and you're going to go from glory to glory. What you are now is what not, your, what, not what you're going to be. Because God is transforming us into more of his glory. And I believe that the power of God is going to fall on the church and we're going to see signs and wonders again. But listen, that's not going to happen if you don't step out in faith and do something. Come on, we got to put it out there. Put God, I challenge you to test God. Put him to the test. Put his word to the test. He said you'll lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. They're not going to recover if you don't ever lay your hands on them. And you may pray for 100 and nothing happens, but 101, a miracle happens. So don't stop if it doesn't work the first time or the second or the third or the tenth. Just keep doing it, all right? I'm challenging you to do that. I'm challenging myself. So I'm like, I can't wait to get my hands on this guy. So he's talking. I was like, before we leave, I said, if you will allow. He's a, I mean, every other word is GD or MF or something else. I mean, he's not a Christian by any stretch of the imagination. He doesn't even know nothing about church. And I said, if you will allow me, I would like to pray for you. And he's like. I mean, it was kind of like cold water in his face. He's like, oh, okay. You know, so there's a lot of people around, so I wasn't going to embarrass him. Be tactful. And so we kept talking. Well, let me fast forward. Finally, we, we got an opportunity. I said, him and his nephew was there. I said, let's step inside this building here. I said, I'm going to pray for you right now. Stepped in. I said, I don't want to embarrass you in front of everybody. I said, it wouldn't embarrass me, but I... I laid hand. I said, can I put my hand on your stomach? That, another suggestion, if you're going to put your hands on somebody, ask them. Don't just assume, well, the Lord told me, and then you do something, you might get slapped in the face. And he said, sure. So I laid my hand on his stomach and prayed, and I have no idea what God did with that. It's not up to me. My, my job is to obey the word. It's God's job to do whatever he's going to do. All right? I've done my part. Now, God, I'm challenging you. Do your part. I'm not holding you to anything, God. You, if you say no, the answer is no. I, I, that's fine. But do it. Well, anyway, the next day, same guy, he starts opening up and pouring out to me about his divorce and what he's going through and this and that. And now he's got this wonderful woman. She treats him like a king. And, and, and I said, you know what? I said, I'm really glad to hear this working out for you. I, I hope your marriage is reconcilable. And he assures me that it wasn't and this and that. I said, well, I'm going to tell you something, all right? I said, I'm not trying to be preachy, but I'm going to tell you something. The only thing that's ever going to give you real joy is if you will totally and completely surrender your life to Jesus Christ. 
I said, people try everything. They try relationships. They try drugs, alcohol, possessions, only to obtain those things and realize they still have no joy. The joy of the Lord comes through Jesus Christ alone. Amen. And so anyway, he said, with the joy that is given by the Holy Spirit, let me grab a notebook, because I only got about four notes here. I don't want to forget them. Uh, Verse 7, and I'm going to have to f- go fast forward here. We're going to be here all day. And, and so you became a model. Come on, we want to be a model, don't we? You became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And the Lord, I, I believe we are a model. Church, I may not get, the, if, I, if I run out of time, I'll quit and we'll finish it next week, all right? But can I just, and I'm not boasting. If it sounds like I'm boasting, forgive me. If I'm boasting, I'm boasting on Jesus Christ. But do you realize this was the first church plant in like over 100 years in, in, in this area that succeeded? I mean, there's been others that attempted, but it succeeded. And when we did, I mean, we were persecuted. We were called the rock and roll church. Because I said, you know what? I believe that God bless Willie and Paul and people like that. But this guy's got it, man. And this generation, they've got it. But the young generation, I'm like, that, we need to go after those kids and youth. So I'm like, we're doing contemporary music because that appeals to them. All right? And people wanted to do some of the old stuff. And I like to throw in a little bit every once in a while. But, so we were the rock and roll church. And the next thing you know... All the churches in the area see this church growing and people coming and excited and they're like, maybe we need to have a contemporary service. <laughs> you know, so they started having contemporary services and their churches started flourishing. Thank God, that's what I want. You know, that's what I want to see. We want to challenge people to good works, right? We need to challenge each other to good works, you know? And so I, I believe that, because people have told me, said, man, there's a lot of people got their eyes on you, you know. And I'm like, well, I'm turn their eyes toward Jesus. Don't be looking at me, you know, because I'm not much to look at. But anyway, I believe that we've been a model. Come on, you've been a model? I think we need to do that corporately. We need to do it individually. Can the people on your job say, I want to be like that guy? Man, I want to be like that guy. They may not be saying it, but I'm going to tell you right now, they're probably thinking it. Because I've been on jobs before and they're ragging me. They're calling me Moses and preacher and everything else. And it's miserable. I got no friends. I'm eating lunch by myself and everything. Oh, poor, feeling sorry for myself. I wasn't feeling sorry. But I understood that, you know. But when nobody was around, they would come to me. He's like, Bernie, would you pray for me and my wife? I'm like, sure, man. What's going on? Me and my wife were. And then they just poured her heart out to you. They didn't want nobody to know. Because it. I was on one job, the guy that beat me up the most, man. He beat me up all the time with his mouth, you know. And I, I was, I fixed fact, I'm getting ready to get married. The last day on the job, I mean, this guy ragged me all the time. This is when they called me Moses all the time. He came to me the last day on the job. He, said, he called me preacher. He said, preacher. He said, I know I give you a hard time. He said, but I want you to know that I, I, I understand what you're trying to do and I appreciate it. And I respect you for what you're doing. And I was like, I thought this guy hated my guts, man. So you are a model, whether you know it or not. Amen? I can see right now I'm not going to get through this. <laughs> you're a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only 
in Macedonia, Achaia, uh, your faith has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, who he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescued us from the coming wrath. That's a reference to the tribulation. All right, that is a reference to the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, which is the position that I take. I believe that God's going to take us out of here before the, rap, the, the tribulation comes. And in fact, he supports that later on in this passage. The whole book of 1 Thessalonians has to do with the kingdom of God. And he's teaching them about the kingdom. And at one point, they're concerned about their family members that have died. They died before Jesus come back. They're not going to be in the kingdom because they're dead and gone. And so he, ensure, he assures them that that's not going to happen. Verse, chapter 2, verse 1. Are you with me? Say amen. You know, brethren, that our visit to you was not a failure. We, know, we had previously suffered and been uh, insulted in Philippi. When I read that, I'm like, insulted? They beat the snot out of you and chained you in a dungeon. I think that was more than just an insult. <laughs> All right, we were insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of the strong opposition. The strong opposition, what he is saying is in spite of the fact that people might arrest you, come on, we're living in America. Nobody's going to come in here and arrest me for preaching the gospel this morning, thankfully. They're not going to take me out and flog me with a cat of nine tails with 39 lashes, thankfully, and then throw me in a dungeon chained up, won't let you get up and go to the bathroom. You just got to go right there where other people have already gone before you. You understand the unsanitary, disease-infected atmosphere. I mean, this is a horrible, horrible thing. He said, in spite of the threat of that, we were willing to come here and tell you about Jesus Christ because we know what could happen to us. And when I read that, you know what I thought about? Christians today, sometimes they're not going to speak up and tell anybody that they're a Christian because somebody might call them a bad name. They may not include them in their little get-togethers. They don't want to be my friend. And we call that persecution. Come on, church. We're bigger than that. So you don't want to be my friend. That's all right. I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to tell you about Jesus anyway. You're going to call me names? All right, we're haters. On the news media, all Christians, you're all haters. You're homophobes. You're Islamophobes. Uh, All the name calling. So we get, don't say anything. Don't tell them you're a Christian because they're going to tell you you're a hater or a this or that. Call me names. I'm still going to talk about Jesus Christ. I'm still going to ask the guy right in a public place if he's sick, can I lay my hands on you and pray for you? Come on, we're not persecuted. There's no reason we shouldn't be out there doing our thing. Amen? Come on now. Somebody say amen real loud. Amen. Amen. All right. Where did I stop? Somebody help me. I've lost my place here. Okay. Verse 3, for the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, 
Because some people, I mean, they preach, some of the televangelists, should I dare name any of them, Lord? I'm going to name one, and if y'all get mad at me, God forgive me, and Mike Murdoch. If you ever see Mike Murdoch, five minutes into his message, he's talking about money. That's all he talks about. And you know what he wants you to do? Plant a $1,000 seed in his ministry, and God is going to bless you. He's a charlatan, and I'll call him out for what he is. He's a charlatan. He's prostituting the gospel. Paul said, we're not here to trick you. We're not trying to get something out of you. Lord, forgive me if I shouldn't have done that, but it's the truth. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God, who tests our hearts. Verse 5, you know we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, nor from you or anyone else. <laughs> Are you willing to be friendless for Jesus? Are you willing to be friendless for Jesus? My son Nathan was so, he had such a deep conviction in high school, he didn't want to displease God and he didn't want to displease Dad. And so some of the very best friends that he had, they started going wild, doing some things that he knew I would never approve of and God wouldn't approve of. And his years in high school was very, very lonely because he just wouldn't go and be a part of that. You know, are you willing to stand for your faith even if everybody rejects you and you're friendless? Paul says, we're not, we're not trying to please anybody but God. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel uh, of God, but our lives as well. Because you had become so dear to us, surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. In other words, the apostle Paul rolled up his sleeves and went to work. Some people, I think a lot of the guys in here appreciate the fact that I come from a blue-collar worker background. You know, rolling my sleeves and going to work doesn't scare me the least little bit. In fact, I enjoy it, you know. And if it means, and, and I, the first two, first year, in a, well, almost a year that we planted the church here, I put as much money into it as anybody else. It was working a full-time job and getting the church up and running. And would glad, if the church got into a financial situation they couldn't pay my salary, I wouldn't go somewhere else. I'd go to work. I would go to work to offset my salary or whatever. And that's what the Apostle Paul was saying that they did. Verse 10, you are witnesses and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believe. For you know that we dealt with each other, with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and uh, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the words of men, but as it actually is, 
the Word of God. Why are we reading a letter written over 2,000 years ago? Because it's not the words of men. It's the Word of God Himself. Which is at work in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of God's church in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same thing that the churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus Christ and the prophets and also drove us out. They, please, they displease God and are hostile to all men in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heaped up their sin to the limit. Now, I want you to get this. The wrath of God has come up on them at last. What is that telling me? God's going to fight my battles for me. If people are doing something against you, you don't have to go to war with them. I, I, I can't tell. I was just talking to somebody recently because it was a situation that came up and I said, I can't tell you how many times there's been a situation in the church that if I stepped in and tried to fix it, I'm only going to make it worse. Because it's not my battle. You understand, this is not my church. It never has been. This is the church of Jesus Christ. This is his church. And he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm going to build my church. Gates of hell is not going to prevail against it. I said, I can't tell you how many times. And I was like, I would want to step in and, and try to fix that. But I would back off and say, Lord, you know that if I get involved with that, it's just going to make a mess. It's going to be worse. God, I'm just going to ask you in Jesus' name to take care of that. And it has never ever failed and sometimes it had some really sad outcome come on you don't fight against God's church and God's people and get away with it you just don't I, I was, I'm never going to get through this I see already my, my, you know my dad was a pastor my mom was in church and one Sunday in a Sunday school class and, a bunch of elderly women said, and this is nothing against the elderly women, all right, but she was in an elderly woman's class. And it just so happened that one of the ladies sitting there lived right next door to the parsonage. And she was always on the phone. You know what I saw that pastor doing? She stayed on the phone all the time, gossiping and tearing down my dad and what he was doing, what he wasn't doing, and what she thought he ought to be doing, all this stuff, you know. They're in Sunday school class. She fell out of her chair in the floor having a heart attack, that lady. And my mom at this time, she is a tongue-talking, spirit-filled believer, all right, in a church that didn't even practice or believe that, all right. But anyway, they didn't know that. She was a closet charismatic, you know. And so she goes to get up out of her seat and pray for her, and she said it was almost as if God shoved her back in her seat and said, don't touch her. I am doing a work. The Bible says, touch not God's anointed and do his prophets no harm. Now, I'm not saying that to keep your lips off of me, all right? I'm just telling you, you don't mess with God's people and his work and get away with it. And I could go on and tell you some other stories just like that. But I'm, I'm going to move on. And I'm not trying to frighten you. I'm just, I'm honestly before God, I'm just telling you. 
That's not a good idea to, to speak out against God's church and his work. Where did I stop? Chapter two. Chap, chapter, where am I? 17. Okay, thank you. Brothers, when you were torn away, when, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, I, I, I underline that because, you know, we just went on sabbatical, and I told you it was like cutting your arm off and forgetting you never had one. That's impossible. You can't do that. But being away from you and forgetting you, that's, that's not possible for me because I was away from you in person, but I was never away from you in thought. Jeannie and I said it was the hardest thing to ride by here and not turn into the driveway. Especially if we saw some cars like, what's going on in there? I didn't know they was doing anything. I came by and they're having that heart thing. What was that thing, Gail? Where's Gail at? Is she in the church? Lifeline. There were cars all in the parking lot in the middle of the day. I'm like, what are they doing? I didn't even know they was having an event up there on a Tuesday or whatever it was. I wanted to turn in so bad. I was like, don't go in. They told me to stay away for all. Anyway, we, we were torn away from you in person, but not in thought. Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped me. For what? Oh, I love this part. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory? in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. Church, I want you to know something right now. Seeing people that you pour your life into continue on with God gives you a, a feeling and a joy and a happiness that you feel like what you've done matters. And I stood up here last week, and I don't mean to get emotional, guys, but I, it, it's close to me. And I was talking about some people's Facebook, and I go on, and I'm, and I'm like, what are they doing? Because you pour your life into these people, these children and stuff, and you see them out, and it's like, did you not hear anything I said? Didn't it mean something to you? Don't you realize that it's true, that it's real? Why are you doing this? So while one thing, if people continue in the Lord, it, it is your joy. When they don't, you feel like everything that you've done was in vain. It's a long time. Okay. Whiskers are rubbing that thing. I've joined the Harry Unwashed. How you don't like my beer? I started to take a vote, see how many like that thing, so I'll shave it off or not. How many like it? I might just keep it then. How I many don't like it? Be honest. My mom, she don't like it. She's like, get all that hair off your face. You got too, your face is too pretty to put all that. <laughs> uh. Where did I stop? Where am I? Chapter 3, verse 1. So, when we could stand it no longer, I understand exactly what he's saying. So we could stand it no longer. We thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker, in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to strengthen and encourage you in the faith. So he sent him there for a good thing. Uh, so that no one would be 
unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were disdained by them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be, that we would be persecuted. And it turns out, and it turned out that way as, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. The King James says in vain. Because it, it breaks your hearts when believers get up, doesn't it? Come on, if you've got somebody, a family member, a child, that you've taught about the things of Christ all their life and they don't walk in it when they become adults, doesn't that break your heart? It does break your heart to see that. You feel like everything that you said and spoken in their life, it was all for nothing. It was in vain. Well, that's what, can you understand what Paul's saying here when you realize that? Verse 6, but Timothy uh, has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you you always uh, have pleasant memories of us and uh, that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Church, let me stop and say one other thing here. When we came back, I was met with all kind of hugs and, Pastor, we missed you, and I'm like, I want to do it. I was like, I missed you too, you know. That made me feel so good. It's like, man, they like me, you know. And Jenny said, I think they missed us. Maria was like, I think they did. <laughs> so it wasn't just one way. I missed you. You missed me. This is a good thing. Amen. Verse 7, therefore, brethren, in all our distress and persecution, we are encouraged about you because of your faith. Man, that's, that's such an encouragement to see people going on and serving Jesus. But I'm telling you, when, uh, uh, when Jamie got up here this morning, come on, church, wasn't that awesome? One of our kids getting up praying for the missionaries. That's what I'm talking about right there now. That's, what, that's like, man, yes, yes. We're in the prayer room this morning, getting ready to pray before we came out, the worship team, the intercessors. And here comes Jeannie marching, a whole line of little boys said, these are the next generation we're raising up for God. I said, raise them up, Jesus, hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about right there. See, we're strengthened and encouraged because of your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well, am I at the right place? You know quite well I read that. In fact, where am I? <laughs> Verse 4, we'll start there. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted. I read that. And it has turned out that way as well as you know. For this reason, when we could stand in, I read all of that. Where am I? Verse 8. Oh, wow, man, I'm waiting. Okay, yeah, I see there. Verse 8. For now... I like this. For now, we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, that kind of caught me right there because he's He's boasting on them and how great they're doing and how they're serving God, but he also points out that there's still things lacking in their faith. How many of you know that we're all a work in progress? 
How many of you know Pastor B is a work in progress? Sorry about that. Had another incident on the highway this week I won't even talk about. It wasn't my fault. I didn't handle it well. And then I'm trying to make excuses to God why I had every right in the world to act like that. And he, he, see, he knows just what button to push. I started, I thought about preaching being on the anvil this morning. Because we are all on the anvil. There are things in your life that heat you up. And you get red hot, then he lays you on an anvil and then beats you with a hammer. Why? Because that's the only way to get you in shape. And the trials that God sends your way are for a purpose. A lot of times, being in the crucible is the same thing. He puts you in there and he turns up the heat. And all the impurities that are in there that you didn't know were there will boil to the surface so he can scrape them off. Well, the only way he can expose them is turn up the heat. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. And so my heat is on the highway. <laughs> Idiots. I'm not even going to talk about it. But if he'd have got out of the car, I probably would have kept going. But it's what I would like to have done to him. That bothers me. Come on. It has to do with baseball bats and shins and things like that. And breaking a certain finger off and stick it somewhere. You can wave at somebody with your whole hand. Especially when they cut you off in traffic and you blow the horn at them and they want to say howdy with one finger. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, guys. You're like, I'd like to break that off and see if you stick it up at anybody else. All right. And then God makes you realize, man, there's still some stuff in there, isn't it? But you're not going to talk about it yet. But I'm not going to talk well, see, you can't get up here and reveal your slimy soul. So I have to do it for you. But I, you know what I'm talking about. The faith that is still lacking in you, he said. He said, that's why we came to encourage the, you in the faith that is still lacking in you. Verse 11. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ Clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase. Hallelujah. And overflow for each other and for everyone else. You find out how much love you don't have sometimes, don't you? Just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless. Oh, man. And holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all of his holy ones. Chapter 4. And I've got, it's 20 minutes to 12, so hang on, the chicken's still frying. Finally, brethren, we instruct you how to live in order to please God as in fact you are living. Now, and that was an interesting point that he said. He tells them there's faith lacking in you, but he also says you are living the way you're supposed to. All right, so we can be pleasing to God and still have issues in our life. Let me say on that note too, just because you blow it, I'm gonna tell you right now, Satan will show up right on your doorstep and say, see there what you did? 
You think you're a Christian and you behave like that? You thought like that? You did that? You think you're a Christian? You may as well give up because, brother, ain't nobody. If they knew that about you, nobody would listen to you because you're a hypocrite. And you know what you'll do? Yeah, you're right. And if he can get you, because I was thinking along those lines, believe it or not, during the sabbatical. I was telling Jeannie, I'm like, because this stuff was bubbling up in me during the sabbatical. I'm like, Jeannie, how in the world am I standing in that pulpit? With this inside of me, I feel like a hypocrite. And I told you there's words of wisdom comes out of her mouth. She said, Bernie, when I read in the Charisma magazine and all these of all these pastors and things they've done, God needs men like you, Bernie. I know your life. And Satan is trying to get you to quit. And when she said that, I'm like, you know, you're right. Just because you mess up doesn't, he says, look, there's faith lacking in you, but you're doing what you're supposed to do. That almost sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? There's nobody perfect. The apostle Paul wasn't perfect. In fact, he said, I'm the chief among sinners, least among the apostles. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. All right, I, 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 I jumped rabbit, said, where are we? What? Bottom of verse one. Oh, I didn't even finish the first verse. <laughs> Finally, brethren, we instruct you how to live in order to please God as in fact you live. Now, we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus Christ to do this more and more. <laughs> Amen. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God's will. Everybody say God's will. will. Now this is where he goes and he goes in this in every single letter that he writes. We urge you, this, this is God's will, that you should be sanctified. Now what does sanctified mean? Set apart, all right? You're set apart from the world. You're set apart from sin. You be sanctified that you should avoid sexual immorality. That's in every letter that he writes, to be sexually pure. Sex between a man and a woman that's united in holy matrimony is the only biblical grounds for having sex. I'm just telling you. I'm not anybody's judge. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just telling you that is God's law. He instituted that. Anything outside of that, the Bible calls sexually impure or sexually immoral. All right, so he's telling you you should not, you should avoid sexual immorality because some of that was going on in, in Thessalonica, you understand. So he's telling them, don't stop doing that. That each of you should learn to control his own body. Learn to control. That doesn't mean you know how. Come on, it's not natural. It doesn't mean you know how. You have to learn how to do that. <laughs> in a way that is holy and honorable, now Uh, not in passionate lust like the heathens who do not know God and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The will of the the Lord, now get this part, the Lord will punish men for all such sins. That's period. No, it's a comma. As we have already told you and warned you. Is that a period? Yeah. You don't do that and get away with it. Are you hearing me, church? Say amen. I can see you're phasing out on me. I'm going to have to get out. I'm going to have to either kick it in high gear or stop. You want me to, kick, you want me to stop? We'll take up next week. I didn't hear too many amens there. So I don't know what to do. 
Verse 7, for, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. And I thought that was a good word for Megan this morning. You feel like that you can't do that? Listen, if the spirit of, that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will make alive this mortal body. The Holy Spirit's in here that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The thing is, do I want to do it? A lot of people don't want to, and they make excuses. Well, I can't. Oh, oh, yeah, you can. If you want to, you can. You've got a mind and a will, and if you get your mind set on something, you're going to do it no matter what anybody say. Right? Well, get your mind set on the things of God. and Say, I'm going to do it. I don't care what anybody says. Where did I stop? Verse 9. Now, about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brethren throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers, to do it more and more. We'll change from glory to glory. I preached that last Sunday. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. Amen. Come on. Amen. Stay off the phone. Don't be gossiping. Stay off of the Facebook. Fuss book. Fuss book. Some, in some people's category. Mind your own business and work with your own hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that we, I'm sorry, so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Brothers, verse 13, you do not want, we, we do not want you to be ignorant about those that have fallen asleep. Now, I'm going to just kick it in high gear through this part right here. Because he's actually talking about the rapture of the church. Because they were concerned about those that had died. And it's like, they're going to miss out on the kingdom of God. And he said, for those that fall asleep in Christ, he said, Jesus will come again with the shout of the archangel, with the voice of God. And you've heard that at every funeral you've ever gone to, right? And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And those that are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's that passage right there. Okay, in chapter four. I'm not going to read all of that. He told me to read it. but I'm, Is that good enough? Go home and read it. You got your own copy. <laughs> they didn't. You do. All right. Chapter five, and we're going to we're going to get out of here. Now, brothers, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people will say peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, as a labor pain on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Just had a thought. Kim, do you still do drama? You tell me to. <laughs> Should I tell her to do drama? Yes. It's not going to rain. Can you put that together again someday in the near future? Yeah. There's some people who hadn't seen that. <clears throat> um, verse 4. But you, brethren are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all the sons of light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. That's talking about people that are dead. But let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at the night, and those who are drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us... Uh, 
Be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Verse 9, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. That's why I don't believe in the church going through the tribulation. God didn't appoint us to go through the tribulation. He didn't appoint us to wrath. And, and I believe that's specifically speaking of the tribulation. I lost my place again. God didn't. Where am I? Verse 9. For God, oh yeah, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake, that means you're alive, or asleep, you're dead, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other just as, in fact, you are doing. Verse 12, there's final instructions. Now, we ask you, brethren, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid. Now, the word there in the King James is the faint-hearted. That's the people that I mentioned, you, you've done this and you feel like God can't use me. Faint-hearted means you're, you're giving up. The Bible says, be not wearying well-doing, for you shall reap in due season if you faint not. So he says, encourage the faint-hearted. Don't give up. What he's saying is, and I tell you that all the time, don't give up. Keep, keep pushing. Keep pushing forward. Because I've only got a few more verses. Let me divert one more time. We're all at different levels of growth. Right? Some, this is our goal. What is our goal? Jesus Christ. All right? The Bible says, it says in Romans, Hebrews chapter, 13, chapter 12, it says, lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset you and run the race that is set before you, uh, uh, run the race that is set before you with patience, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, all right? So this is our goal, and some of us on our, on attaining that goal, some of us are here. Some of us are here, and some of us are here, and some of us are here. We're all at different levels. So he's saying encourage each other. What that means is if you're down here and somebody else is up here, don't be envious or jealous of them that they're there. Push them. You're, you're on my platform. You move up higher, then I'm going to come up higher. Amen? I just had a revelation. Maybe the reason you can't get on that level is because you're not helping them get off of it. Come on, that's a revelation from the Lord right there. So instead of being envious, they push them. They, they get up there, and then, and then what they need to do is while you're pushing them, they need to turn around and help you. So the guy that's up here is pulling. Guy down here is pushing, and we're all working towards the same goal. Amen? So we encourage each other. Man, that, I'm glad I didn't skip that. I'm, I, I might get a, get a copy of this. Listen to me. Where did I stop? 14? And we urge you, brother, warn those that are idle, encourage those that are timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. The Bible says evil for evil in King James Version. But always try to be kind to each other and to everyone. Be joyful always. Pray continually. 
Give thanks in all circumstances. Boy, that's that right there. You could almost preach on that one statement. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Because what was happening is the Spirit was manifesting His presence in the church at Thessalonica, and some people didn't like it. How many of you know some people don't like it in Pentecostal circles and charismatic circles sometimes when the Holy Spirit embarrasses them? Because that person over there did something that I don't think that. And so they want to put a stop to that. Come on, we don't quench the Holy Spirit. And, and I told you the other, last Sunday, I want it to be authentic, all right? We don't want to contrive it. We don't want to orchestrate it. We don't want to work it up. But if the Holy Spirit wants to move, we want to let him move. And I want people to step out in faith and, and put that to the test. And if you do something that's, it wasn't the Holy Spirit, it was your enthusiasm or zeal, it's all right. Come on, we're going to love each other, right? So somebody over here, they're, going, they're like, should I say something? Should I do something? Should I this? And they do it. And it's like, well, that wasn't God. You don't have to tell them. They're going to know that, first of all. But you don't have to look at them like that, dodo, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. No, you're going to love them. It's like, well, it's all right. We'd... They'll do it better next time. Amen? So don't, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecy with contempt. So see, this was something going on in the church at Thessalonica. People were prophesying and they're like, I don't like that. They're being contemptible about it. No, we, we want the Holy Spirit to have liberty. For 21 years, there hasn't been a single service ever that I've been in that I haven't said, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Have your way today. And I mean that. We want to be a spirit, a holy spirit-led body. Amen. We're not going to hand him a card at the door and say, you've got to follow this, these instructions. Test everything. Because there's some stuff that comes in, and it, it comes in under the guise of the Holy Spirit, but it's not. Remember last time I was talking about the veil? Like, I got the anointing, but really you don't, you know. Test everything. Hold on to that is good. Avoid that which is every kind of evil. Avoid every kind of evil. Is everybody with me? Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, and that means the Bible says to avoid even the appearance of evil. There are some places you shouldn't go and things you shouldn't be a part of, church. Come on. Now, we're not higher or better than anybody else, but there's some circles you just shouldn't be a part of because your presence there is an endorsement whether you ever say anything or not. There's some places I will not go, not because I think I'm better than them, but I'm not bringing God down to that level. I shouldn't be there because it is giving an endorsement to what's going on, and God doesn't agree, or do I agree with what's going on. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless. Now I talk about the triune being. We are a spirit. We have a body. We have a soul. Every one of those areas needs to be blameless before God. Be blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he, I like that, he will do it. Aren't you glad you don't have to do this by yourself? That was a good word, Megan. The spirit of God is going to do it through you. All right. 
Brethren, pray for us. Greet all brothers with a holy kiss. Now, let me just stop right there and say that is a cultural thing. I was in a restaurant the other day, and I think the best eggplant parmesan I ever put in my mouth. I love eggplant parmesan, all right? And I eat it at the restaurant if it's cooked right. These guys, I, I think they're Greek. I'm not sure. They, they look Italian or Greek or something. But the two come in, and he goes to that guy. I'm like, they got to be from somewhere else. They're not from around here. <laughs> you know. Well, I, one Sunday, a guy came in and kissed me on my cheek in the old sanctuary. I'm like, brother, you don't have to take that literally, you know. Cause, I mean, I know. But don't, guys, come on, don't come up and kiss me, all right? Even though the Bible said that, it's a cultural thing, all right? Did they do that in Egypt, Abram? They do? It's okay? All right, Abram, I give you permission to. You won't get upset if I kiss you then, all right? <laughs> Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. A holy, that means don't give him a wet one on his lips, all right? That ain't holy. <laughs> kiss him on his cheek, all right? I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren, and we have done that this morning in obedience to the Scripture. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by it. Central Virginia Assembly of God is located on 5052 Cross County Road, Mineral Virginia, 23117. If you would like more information about the church, visit us at centralvaag.org. God bless.